0: Welcome to the Community Colleges Australia podcast. I'm Ryan Pemberton. This is episode six in our eight part series on board governance and executive leadership. All organizations will at some point face periods where their best laid plans are upturned by unexpected disruption. In 2020, that was all of us. In this episode on leading for change in difficult times, we'll hear from Kerry Johnson, CEO of ACE Community Colleges, Ron Maxwell, CEO of Verto and Teresa Collignon, CEO of Macquarie Community College. All three have led their organisations successfully through very challenging times, and not just through the pandemic. Macquarie Community College also went through a huge disruption in 2017 when they had to shut down their Blacktown campus. Here's Teresa
1: Collignon. We were in Blacktown for twenty something years. So I've been CEO for six years. And we lost our biggest contract. Well, we didn't really lose a TAFE won it back again after 19 years of delivery. Uh, the AME, the Adult Migrant English program. That was massive. It was more than half of our revenue. So we had to close the Blacktown campus because that was exclusively AMEP and on that day we all cried in 2017 and as we turned the key and handed them back we said we're going to come back one day.
0: What would be your advice for a leader of an organisation that was maybe facing like a very unexpected crisis, a loss of a major source of revenue?
1: Look, you've just got to work through the problem. So, for example, with COVID, we had something like 140 courses. So, we put them into green could go to remote. Orange was like, oh, not sure how we'll do that, but they're possible. Red was, we're never going to do that remotely. So, stop working on the things that are never going to work and see what you can work on. And we decided early on that it was going to be hard to recruit new people. So, we put all of our effort into retaining what we had. So any student who was actively involved or engaged in the last 14, 15 months was the all-out full court press, how do we keep that person, which for our fee-for-service students, we offered discounts, we offered new shorter courses, so anything to keep them engaged and involved involved and, you know, it was almost like try it and see and if you don't like it, we'll offer you a refund and then focusing on the continuing students and when you face a big roadblock like the fact that you can't do work placement in an aged care place, just keep them going. So we've overtaught them just keeping people engaged in learning despite the fact they can't do the work placement because if they stop, they may never pick it up again. I think that nearly every student of our college got some kind of phone call, email or text message in the last year, which is not just a marketing thing. Here's a blurb. It's like a teacher or a staff member contact them to see, look, did they want to keep learning? Did they want to keep going? How can we do it? Which is, I think, really important. And that's keeping in touch with the customers. Theresa
0: says it's important to ramp up communication with staff as well, at all levels.
1: And getting feedback from the bottom up is really important. And I think that a lot of that is missed when you're pushing through, this is the plan, this is the change. So it was quite a democratised process of, you know, let many flowers bloom not all of them are going to bloom, and it was loosening the controls. So okay, let's have a crack. And working with the program managers, working with the teachers, even working with the students about what's working and what's not, there was a command and control element to it. but It was very much what do you need to make this work? What resources do you need to make that happen? Um, have we got them? Can we make them up? So what advice would I give? Keep working on the problem. Just keep going, what can we do next? What can we do next? What can we do next? But you've got to work out what your strategy is. So our strategy was continuing students. And in the communities where we were known and loved, what can we keep doing? One strategy could have just been to close the doors and not deliver anything, keep our job keeper. But it just was not the right thing to do because we're very purpose-driven and we're about teaching people.
0: I think in times of crisis, it's very natural to start looking at focusing on short-term problems, like yeah. how do we put out all these spot yeah, fires yeah. like, before we start thinking about like the horizon again. Um, what are your thoughts on that approach?
1: Uh, you've got to manage the short-term. You just have to. But it's keeping that eye on the horizon and how you resource people to keep working on So I think the senior team... Because we're very small, again, there's only four of us in the senior team, we were operating in the urgent somewhat to the medium, but a few of us had an eye to the long term. We didn't do as much on the long term as as we wanted to in, according to our strategic plan, but we kept working on the long term. And now that we're back in 2021, it's time to really think about how do we resource that long-term business improvement, business diversification piece. So the staff below senior level are more focused on the short and the medium term and it's great. So let's delegate problem solving, you know, who's going to get the hand sanitizer? That can go to the right level. That's not the CEO's job. Well, I do wash the tea towels but apart from that, (laughs) you know. uh, But, you know, you've got to think about that. And staying true to your long-term strategic plan, so our long-term strategic plan is talked about reaching out to 10,000 lives. So that's been a really guiding light. And It's like, mm, we're taking a hit on that 10,000. But, you know, we did lose student numbers, probably a third of our student numbers. So now we're back in the third year of our strategic plan. We're not going to make that up. So you just have to keep going towards the goal, even if you know that you're actually not going to achieve it. So we have five strategic priorities. I think everybody in, you know, to a certain degree in the organisation can say, what are the five strategies? What's the one goal? So if you've got that, people understand why you're doing it. So we had a strategic framework as well as a very active action plan.
0: With making like a lot of these big changes in a relatively short period of time, how do you make sure that your staff and your board of directors are all aligned on that?
1: Look, it's exhausting. It's <laughs> exhausting. I think, uh, look, having the board well-informed and engaged in the process of decision-making is really important and uh, all commendability or whatever the word is, laudits, plaudits to our um, board because they've taken that long-term view about risk and opportunity. They're, they're quite stable as a board, which is great. So we've had a lot of continuity and we met very regularly in 2020, which was really not our plan. But, you know, we'd have board meetings called at, you know, four days notice. So we usually meet bi monthly, I think, in uh, 2020, just from a risk management point of view um, and information sharing. We probably met 20 times in 2020. With staff, over-communicate, Meet regularly, keep talking, I think is what I would say, and admit that nobody knows the perfect answer. And whenever there is really seismic change, there's always opportunity. So, you know, look, I think we just gave everything and anything a crack. Without, you know, being profligate and wasting resources, you know, when we had people who were on subsidised wages with JobKeeper that weren't otherwise able to do things like, be the night assistant at a campus when we don't no classes. We had one of them doing car boot deliveries of flowers to people so that we could do flower arranging remotely. That's pretty cool, I reckon. Now, you would never do that without just saying, let's give it a crack. You know, I think that's probably one of my favourite examples of innovation, online flower arranging. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Who would have thought we didn't manage aquaerobics online. That was not working. (laughs) Uh, But we did chair yoga and a few other weird and wonderful things. And, you know, Macquarie Community College, God bless them. Who starts a new campus in the middle of COVID? Well, we do. What the heck?
0: In December of 2020, Macquarie Community College reopened its Blacktown
1: campus So we went back and because there is a job trainer funding, there's quite a lot of funding around. So it was the opportunity of funding and we thought, look, where do we know we naturally belong? Where would we want to go back to? And the answer was Blacktown. We contacted the building owner in November and went to the board with a business case in December and we basically opened at the end of January. So that was fairly rapid. And I think it's because we've got such a reputation that we're so well known. Literally, people didn't realise we hadn't been there. And we probably taught tens of thousands of people in that community over that period. And so well known, so well loved that the word is getting around the interagencies, the migrant agencies, the Blacktown Mayor was so excited we were back, the local member members, state and federal, really excited and um, it's not coming home again. So we're in a happy position that we have some reserves and if we're waiting for a rainy day to spend them, well, it's been raining, it's raining really hard and I think that's the fantastic, um, very mature view of our board, there's no interest payable on financial reserves at the moment. So if we invest in ourselves for future returns, you actually get a better return on investment than leaving it in the bank. So investing upfront for future business revenue and community service, more importantly, has been the reason.
0: When Cyclone Debbie hit Queensland in 2017, Catastrophic flooding destroyed homes and businesses in Lismore. Kerry Johnson, CEO of Ace Community Colleges in Lismore, remembers it well.
2: Yeah, it was a bit surreal, actually. Um, I was up on the Gold Coast, to be honest, when um, the flood actually hit Lismore. I was up there for a meeting and it was wild. Just the amount of rainfall and the the damage it caused.
0: The damage was immense.
2: Filthy, disgusting mud and... Everything was wrecked on our lower floor, so we've got a two-floor, two-story building. So we spent probably the first couple of days just trying to clear up what we could, ripping up carpet, taking out furniture, and that kept everybody busy, busy, busy. And then we moved upstairs where we were able to um, at least set up some kind of office. Um, we had two classrooms upstairs. And that was probably where the challenging bits happened because you could see that while people had that sense of purpose in cleaning and, and trying to, you know, get some kind of order, once that stops, um, people were quite depressed, I guess, because, and also because of what we'd seen, you know, that people had lost everything in their houses and businesses were um, completely gone.
0: And what was the impact on the operations of the college?
2: So for us, we were closed um, for three months. Our front doors. We we still had students, but they had to be off campus in other locations. But we couldn't operate out of our normal area for three months. So we were all um, stuck up the back in two rooms, which is a <laughs> lot like when you've got you know twenty odd staff and they're all in together.
0: Kerry's advice for preparing for a natural disaster. Check your insurance policy.
2: Yeah, so we were lucky that we actually got an insurance payout. That helped us enormously because we lost all of the furniture on our ground floor, all of our files, everything, everything we lost. So my first um, uh, note is to everybody should check their insurance policies (laughs) to see what you're actually – because we weren't sure. And In fact, we at that time, we actually weren't covered for flood, but they called – our insurance company called it storm damage. So storm damage was covered. A number of other businesses in town couldn't get any coverage because they called it flood for them. So that was really important.
0: Was there anything that you put in place as a result of the flooding that helped your college respond to the pandemic?
2: Yes, after the flood we realised that we wanted to get rid of all paper-based stuff because that's what we lost. We lost all paper-based files and so we invested in a learning management system. Also from that moment on, all of our resources, student resources, um, had to be compliant um, to go onto an LMS. So every purchase we made was to go on the LMS. So we still had face-to-face teaching and we used our learning management system or our online student system as our resource repository. And so the trainers would log in and the students would log in, but they'd just get the resources they needed for the day or upload assessments. That was probably a key thing to us um, is that we had invested in the technology. All of our students were already online. So that made a huge difference to us in our um, capacity to keep going and keep our students engaged. So, it was, so the flood actually really was very helpful in that regard. We, we wouldn't have invested in that um, at that time if we didn't have the flood, if we hadn't lost everything. We determined that that wasn't going to happen again, so that's why we invested in it. And that was the key, our key tool, and it's our key tool going forward to manage our students.
0: Kerry remembers that when the pandemic hit, the conversations that they were having were focused around how they could stay open and keep staff on.
2: So I, I definitely remember pulling my um, like two senior managers in and we started doing kind of um, disaster management <laughs> planning, if you like, before we didn't know about JobKeeper. So we would started looking at, okay, if we have to send everybody home, how long can we keep people employed for? How long would we keep them on full-time pay? When could we move to, you know, half time? How long could we survive for and still give people some pay? And we, we had some savings, so we were reserved. So we were thinking we need to be able to keep our staff because when it's over, we've got to get ourselves back out so we can't start with nobody. But the key thing was keeping the staff, as much of the staff together as we could. That was always at the front of our minds.
0: Keeping the staff together was also front of mind for Ron Maxwell, CEO of Virto. When COVID hit, it came off the back of a string of natural disasters. The majority of their colleges run out of central western New South Wales. They were dealing with significant drought in the years prior. And then the bushfires came. But
3: when we thought we were through that, you know, the rains came then in in early 2020, but then COVID hit. Ron's primary goal? Keeping staff. I made a commitment to the staff. I said my goal was, I don't want to lose one staff member or have to put anyone off because of... COVID. We need to emerge from this in a better position than what we went into. You know, to me, it wasn't an option to be putting staff off because um, you do that, things start to get better and you have no capacity to be able to respond. That's how we saw it was important for us to have capacity because if you drop all your capacity and lose all your capacity, it takes so long to ramp things back up again. You mightn't get to the ramp up point before the bank balance hits rock bottom. So it's, it's really critical cool that you get the two and you balance them both.
0: What advice would you give to someone leading an organisation through a difficult period?
3: First thing is don't panic, and it's really hard to not panic, <laughs> but <laughs> you can't panic because <laughs> you don't think straight. And um, what I saw through the pandemic when I look across different organisations, I saw a, a lot that panicked at the start and shut down, just said send everyone home to shut down the whole operation. I said to our senior team, we're not going to do that. We'll we'll keep operating and we'll adjust accordingly depending on what's happening out there in the big wide world. The second thing is you just need to really take a rational look and a step back. And sometimes you need to walk into with your management team who are all panicking. First thing you say is calm down and try and talk it through rationally, but then just go away and think about what your next step is. Don't jump in and make a really bad decision because if you do, it's going to cost you for years to come. But you've got to give your staff confidence that there's someone at the helm. And the third thing, and I think it was really important for us and has worked well for us, is you've got to say, okay, well, what's the opportunity? How How can I leverage this? Because is this an opportunity, if I can't, teach or my service delivery has been wound right back at this point what else can i do with the capacity in my organization to improve it so when we come out of it we're better than what we were.
0: i think there's a tendency when in crisis mode to narrow your attention on short-term problems you know you had you to put out these spot fires before you can look at the horizon how do you not lose focus on the long-term vision
3: the spot fires still need to be put out but that's when you use your team to pick spot fires out for you and um, you need to stay focused on the bigger picture we all have management teams we need to utilize our teams and make sure that we're responding appropriately but we can't lose sight of the big picture because if we do we go down the rabbit hole and then the next thing you know we're just lost in the day-to-day things are unraveling and we don't know why because there's no one sort of over and above that, looking down at those things and looking forward. We've got to continue to look forward. How you view the crisis will determine what the outcome will be for you. So if you view it as, oh, my God, the world's falling in, it's pretty much going to fall in for you. If you look at it and say, okay, we've got a bit of a bump in the road here, we need to respond and we need to ensure that um, we put things in place to make sure we get through to the other side. But we need to look at it now and say, how can we utilise this time or this crisis to make us better?
0: You've been listening to season three of the Community Colleges Australia Governance and Leadership podcast series, produced by Audiocraft, with funding support from the New South Wales government. Next episode, how to assist and manage the performance of a CEO. Once the momentum has started down
3: one path, it's very hard to bring it back on track. And so, if an organization does not monitor and engage the CEO, directors who show up once a quarter maybe for board meetings may not see that movement, may not see that the momentum of the organization has gone off track.
0: That's in the next episode of the CCA Governance Podcast Series. You can find all of our episodes at cca.edu.au.